Are you ready? This is Mock on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down. How you doing, everybody? And welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show, courtesy of the A1 Sports Radio Network. I am Craig Moffat, and of course, this show would not be complete without the people's producer, the head honcho, the showstopper, and the founder of the A1 Sports Network. I am talking about the one and only Mr. Chris Clem. What's up, Craig? Clem, we got a, we got a good guest on today. I'm very I'm ready, excited. Man. I'm ready. Like, I know we're talking to a guy who's, the, who's all about the Buffalo Bills and we're Jets fans. I have nothing against the Bills. I actually like the Bills. I have nothing against them. So I'm, I'm all in. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. I always said a long time ago that if I stopped being a Jets fan, I would be a Buffalo fan. I, I, I probably would be the same, honestly. And if the island, one time a friend told me, if the Islanders moved, like let's say they moved to Kansas City or Quebec, would you still be an Islander fan? And I said, no. And they're like, oh, you'd be a Ranger fan? And I said, no. <laughs> and I said, which fan would you be? I said, I would be a Sabres fan. Because I will keep it in New York, but there is no way in hell I'm ever going to be a Ranger fan. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I, lo- I like the Bills. Never hated them. Never had anything against them. So I used I'm, to hate them when Jim Kelly used to kill the Jets all the time. But other than that, I mean... <laughs> But uh, we have a great guest tonight uh, joining the show. We're going to have Jamie D'Amico. He is a podcast host for the Bill Leave podcast for the Buffalo Bills. He's also part of the Buffalo Rumblings SB Nation uh, blog post, blog community. So he's going to join us. we got a lot to talk about with the Bills. This could be their year, man. Now that Brady's in New England, there is a very good chance the Buffalo Bills could take the AFC East. A lot of people seem to like them this year. But it's always been my experience that when teams are really into guys like teams like this or sports writers, analysts, whatever, all of a sudden jump on the bandwagon, the team tends to disappoint a little bit. Well, it was like last year with the Browns. Everyone thought, yeah. oh, my God, the Browns are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Let's get to the playoffs first if yeah. you're Cleveland. Let's, how about this? Let's get a winning record first. Yeah. Then like, we can we... talk about the playoffs, and then we can talk about, you know. but Yeah. The, you know, last year, Buffalo was absolutely fantastic. I mean, they – Josh Allen really took a step forward in his development. And, the man, the signings that – I loved what they did last year. And Sean McDermott is hands down one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL, mm-hmm. if not the most underrated coach. Okay? Because last year, the one signing I loved for them – remember I talked about this? We wanted – I wanted him on the Jets so bad, and it's Cole Beasley. Yeah. I wanted Cole Beasley so bad. Now, I'm not going to complain. I love Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder was a, had a tremendous year, slot receiver last year. But, man, Cole Beasley is like that Julian Edelman. You just want – you've got to have that guy on your team. Yeah. That I guy want, catches everything and he makes plays. I wanted him real bad. But, you know, I'm happy with Jamison. And I think yeah. – and I love Cole Beasley on the Bills. I think he's done, doing a fantastic job there. And Jamie is here. All right, Jamie's here. Put him through. All right, everybody joining us right now, he is the host, co-host of the Bill Leaves podcast, courtesy of Buffalo Rumblings. He is Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, are you there? I am here. Uh, oops, forgot to start the video. I'm such an amateur. <laughs> it's okay, man. That's okay. First of all, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to hang out with us today. I couldn't be happier about being here. I like what you guys are doing. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Always, always looking for positive feedback, any which way we can to make the show better. And again, just branching out to different guests, different teams. I mean, we always like to get feedback from every team pretty much. You know, you could always, you could always ask the New York City reporters, but we always like to get the, the guys that handle the teams like straight on. So sure, sure. definitely appreciate you taking uh, the time to uh, hang out with us and talk some Bills football. Happy to be here, Craig. All right. So here's my first question, the obvious one. Um, what are the expectations right now with Buffalo now that Tom Brady is in Tampa? Since everyone is pretty much picking Buffalo to win the AFC East. So in Buffalo, just in the community, what are the, how high are the expectations going into 2020? I think the expectations are probably a little higher than maybe they should be. Just because Brady is out of the division does not mean that suddenly New England becomes a cakewalk. I mean, they, they still have Darth uh, Bill Belichick on the sidelines. And, you know, that guy can game plan. He yeah. can confuse a young quarterback 
better than just about anybody out there. And Josh Allen has been notoriously bad against New England. And it's mostly because he's seeing ghosts out there. And, you know, the, the Bills have not put up very many points against New England, historically speaking. And it's, it's no different right now. And I, I think Bills fans are expecting a 12-win team. Uh, but, you know, it's a brutal schedule for the AFC East this year, playing both the AFC West and the NFC West. I mean, both Super Bowl teams are, are on everybody's schedule in, in AFC. I just I, – I don't see how the Bills personally are going to win more than 10 games as they did this past year. They may even take a step back because they're playing the second-place schedule. Um, but these opinions make me notoriously unpopular amongst Bills fans. So, so I have to sort of watch myself. Um, earlier today, I read an article by that had uh, former NFL executive Mike Lombardi just basically say that there is a hole at the quarterback position for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, personally, I don't think so, but I want to get your opinion on like, you know, Josh Allen's growth so far in the NFL and do the Bills really have a hole at quarterback it remains to be seen um you know when Josh Allen was drafted he was a project you know coming out of Wyoming he had played in junior college he played at least I I think only one full season and he wasn't playing in a pro style offense so we're looking at a guy who's got a totally different pedigree than say Sam Darnold I mean Josh Allen wasn't even recruited out of out of high school So you've got a guy that came in as the proverbial project. So he went from, say, look at his completion percentage. He went from 52% to 58%. That's not good. That's obviously not going to cut it. But if he makes the same leap in year three, he's going to bring himself up to about 64%. Now, that's not going to get you into the Pro Bowl, but that's going to be a a pretty big leap forward. the thing with Josh Allen, though, is his teammates love him. He's tough. He has a lot of intangibles. He needs time, though, to get where, where he needs to be to be a, a real quality starting quarterback. Um, if the Bills can get – if they can get performance out of him where he's between the 15th and 20th best quarterback in the NFL – I think with the defense that they have and the, the running game that they, I, I think, are developing there, they're probably going to be a playoff team. But is there a hole at quarterback? I think it's premature to say because it's going to take some time to figure him out. Now, speaking of Josh Allen, obviously the big acquisition for the Buffalo Bills this offseason was Stephon Diggs from the Vikings and adding him to the receiving group of Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley – How big of an acquisition is that for the Bills and especially for Josh Allen? That's going to be huge because one of the issues that the Bills receivers had this past year is they had a terrible time getting off the line of scrimmage on press coverage. And they had a very difficult time with real lockdown corners. John Brown is a really high quality number two receiver, but he's not, he's not a number one. So you really can't underplay the acquisition of Stefan Diggs and, and what that can do for this offense potentially. Now, Josh Allen, as we said, he has to get the ball to him, but with the, with, with Stefan Diggs' ability to pull down contested catches, I, I think that you're looking at a, at a significant leap forward in the offense. John Brown was the leading receiver with under 1,100 yards this year. When you take somebody of the Diggs pedigree, you're looking at a guy who can probably easily get 1,200 yards with the type of offense that the Bills are running. And also, um, I, I think you're going to see an even bigger year from John Brown, not necessarily from a yard standpoint, but from the standpoint of, uh, of efficiency. I, I think that it's going to roll coverage away from him, and you're going to see some good things coming from him. And uh, don't sleep on what it's going to do for the tight end, Dawson Knox, who had a huge case of the drops this past year. But – you know, as the game slows down for him, he's probably going to become a receiving threat down the middle. He, you know, he he may be somebody that teams have to pay attention to, and I think Stefan Diggs is going to be instrumental in that. Uh, what do you see in you know David Single? I mean, Devin Singletary's you know development is he going to be the next big running back in Buffalo, 
or is he just like a filler piece until you guys find your, you know, your career running back? He's a, he's a quality starter. He averaged 5.4 yards a carry this past year, and he's incredibly elusive. He's not fast, mm-hmm. but he um, averages, I, I think, three yards after initial contact, which tells you something about the Bills' offensive line in that he was you know, getting hit a lot in the backfield. Um, Singletary is – he's a guy who can be a starter in the NFL. Now, they drafted Zach Moss – in the third round, and he's a very similar style back, although a little bit heavier. Uh, but between the two of them, they're, they're probably going to be a 1A and 1B style. I, I think the Bills are, are in pretty good position at running back. I, I would like to see them be a little bit better at picking up blitzers. I thought that was a place where, uh, where Singletary – could have done a better job, but if you watch him game in and game out, the way he makes people miss is just absolutely uncanny. His stop-start ability and uh, ability to sidestep people is it's mind-blowing at times. He's, he's broken a lot of ankles in his day, I think. Um, the Bills didn't have a first-round pick this year, obviously, due to the uh, Diggs trade, but the, in their second round, I thought they could have gotten a steal with uh, Iowa defensive end uh, A.J. Epinesa. Um, what kind of impact could he have on the defense this season with the pass for their pass? I mean, they're top defense in the league, but what can Epinesa bring to the table that maybe they don't have? Well, what they don't have is Shaq Lawson who left for Miami as a free agent and Lawson did a pretty good job this past season. He really started off slowly in his Buffalo Bills tenure and Lawson became a, sort of a, a, a run defending, not speed, but a power defensive end. And that's sort of what the Bills ended up with in Mario Addison, uh, who they signed to replace him. Now, Epinesa very much fits that same mold. And with his ability to move inside and provide a pass rush from defensive tackle as well, I think that you're going to see a number of packages with Epinesa lined up at the defensive tackle point. And he's going to be given some time to develop, I think, behind Addison and spelling um, Jerry Hughes on the other side of the line. Um, I, I think what you're going to see is him in there on running downs uh, at defensive end, perhaps passing downs at tackle. I think he has the potential to maybe get four or five sacks. I think that they're going to sort of – I think that they're going to ease him in and not expect too much from him because they have a, a number of – of veterans on the roster at this point. What do you think? You seem to like him a lot. Did you watch him a bit in college? I did a little bit, but, you know, a lot of the stuff I really read about after college, it's so tough to follow college football in New York just because there's so many teams and there's literally 15 games on at noon every Saturday. So it's really tough to kind of keep up with everything. But um, a lot of stuff I was reading was that he could have been a first rounder. And for where the Bills got him in the second round is, could easily be a still of the draft. Even at such a, he would have been a high second round pick. The Bills got him pretty low in the second round. So it's a pretty, pretty great job by Brandon Bean, the GM. Yeah. Um, the vibe, you know, from what I heard is that, you know, he's a good pass rusher. He's not like an elite pass rusher. He wasn't in that like, right. But there's a lot to like about him on film and for Buffalo, which is a perfect spot for him to develop because probably won't be a rush to get him out there right off the bat because they have Ed Oliver. They have, um, the names are escaping off time. Tremaine Edmonds is there. So, right. you know, it could be in by next year, he could really wind up being a pretty disruptive force for them. Yeah. You know, the Bills defensive ends, even though they just signed Addison, they're getting a little long in the tooth. Jerry Hughes is 32 and his production has been dipping recently. So they did need to get some young blood into the system, but I, I don't think they need for him to make an immediate it, an immediate impact like they would have had he been a first-round pick. Now, so they're kind of in a safe spot. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no I don't. interrupt me whenever you want. That's yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> we, love, we love the insight. We love the insight, <laughs> by all means. I was going to say, I'm going st- to stick with the defensive line. And, you know, Ed Oliver had a very productive season last year in his rookie year. But now, you know, last month he got, uh, he got arrested on DUI charges and gun charges. Is this something, you know, Buffalo Bills fans are, you know, worried about with him? Like, is this going to keep if this is going to keep happening or like does his does his talent outweigh like his problems off the field 
I think when you've got a guy like him who was productive this past year, was a first-round pick uh, in, the, in the top 10, somebody who came out who was highly touted, it's the NFL, and you know, you're know you more likely to look the other way with a potential star than a guy who was like a sixth or seventh-round pick who's you know, you're the 52nd guy on the roster. Um, it's, it's pretty likely that if he's found guilty, there's going to be a four-game suspension in there. That just seems to be how Goodell operates. Um, I think Bills fans in the past have been very, very quick to judge and to want to move on from people that get themselves in trouble. But this is something new that the Bills have, which is a team that can compete. I mean, it was almost a full generation ago since they had made the playoffs before the past couple of years. So I I think they're a little bit more willing to forgive and forget right now than maybe they would have been when the team was going nowhere to begin with. (laughs) And while they probably would have told you, me being one of them, a Bills fan, I would have told you, no, they're not going to be that bad this year knowing deep down that, in fact, if they got to six wins, it was going to be a mild victory. <laughs> we are talking to the co-host of the Bill Leave podcast, Jamie D'Amico, on the Mouth on the Mic show. By the way, that name, if there was ever a name that just pre- that's preaches positivity for a podcast, just calling it Bill Leave is just like, you know, that, that, you, you couldn't get any better than that, in my opinion. I appreciate that because I'm naturally a pessimist. So being oh, that the Bills... Clem and I are Jet fans, so if there's pessimism, it's all going around. You know. uh, yeah, I, I can relate to it, you know? <laughs> and, you know, it, unfortunately, I, I tend to see the bad before I see the good because I, I've got my defenses up and I'm ready to be let down, even though it's really not what you should be doing if you're in media, right? <laughs> not alone. Most fans do that. So if you're, whether you are in media or not or fans, we always think pessimists. We don't want to get too optimistic because then it's a major letdown. Right, right. It quickly before it starts. Well, you know, I had a fan who I affection, a fan, a friend who I affectionately call Big Chris, who's one of the biggest sports fans I've ever met. And it was a number of years ago when uh, it was 2012. I remember this so well. It's when the Bills beat the Patriots in week two of the season and Bills fans celebrated like we had just won the Super Bowl. And he started saying, but man, this doesn't mean anything if we lose next week. And I was like, hey, man, just just enjoy it just enjoy because it. like, like we, this hasn't happened in so long. Just enjoy the win. Stop worrying. They're going to lose next week. Just don't worry about it. And, man, I got through to him a little bit too much. He stopped caring completely. I'm like, oh, my God, how do I get, how do I get you back, dude? What you? If I had a nickel for every time I was, I was so excited for a Jet win and then all of a sudden said, oh, yeah, they're going to lose and they wind up losing, yeah. oh, I'd be a millionaire. You know, there was another time I, I went, I'm sorry. <laughs> there was another time I was in Cleveland uh, for a, a Bills game. We, I live in Washington, D.C., and uh, 86 of us did a pilgrimage up there with the Bills backers of D.C., and I was sitting next to this Browns fan, really cool guy. We actually got into an argument over whose team was going to blow it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my, oh my god that's that's a great story though <laughs> no it, it was a lot of fun actually um you know it, it, the whole thing started off being a ton of fun because you know how fans they, they talk smack to each other in the parking lot but with bills and browns fans yeah. having so much in common they'd walk up to each other and be like now nah, you get it and <laughs> be the end of it anybody outside of the new england patriots and afcs kind of share the same you know they they share the same pain. So, like, even Dolphins yeah. fans have gone through it for so long. Sure. Buffalo fans and Jets fans. So, it's like we all could just share the same stories, and they're, like, interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah, there's only one outlier there, and um, hopefully that changes. <laughs> so, I want to get back to um, – just go back to the Bills. So, so far this offseason, one move that Sean McDermott made and Brandon Bean made was they went back to their roots in Carolina, and they brought in uh, Josh Norman. And, um, you know, Josh Norman hasn't really been that – wasn't really that great after he got released from Carolina, went to Washington. As of right now, is he penciled in as the opening day starter opposite Tredavious White? Or is it more of he's going to be competing for the other spot again with White? Like, not with White. I was White's cemented in that one cornerback spot. But who else could be competing for the opposite spot uh, from White? You know, to say he was bad in Washington is an understatement because he gave up a uh, – a passer rating against of 129. Mm-hmm. 
Drew Brees only threw for a QB rating of 116 last year. So if you were throwing the ball at Josh Norman's man, you were better than Drew Brees. That, sh- that really tells you something. Now, he was misused in, in D.C. He's, he is a, a zone cover man, and they were using him in man-to-man coverage. Not his thing. The Bills run predominantly a zone scheme. And they signed him to a fairly hefty contract at, uh, at one year and $6 million. It's not that big, but for a prove-it deal, it's a little higher than you normally see. I think he's brought in there for a competition more than anything else. Last year, the Bills had Levi Wallace starting, who uh, two years ago was an undrafted free agent that ended up starting. It was a very good story. He didn't have as good a year this past season. Also, two years ago, the Bills had a guy named EJ Gaines, who they yeah, got – in the, um, in the Sammy Watkins trade from the Rams. Now, he had a great season for Buffalo. One of the knocks on him coming in was he couldn't stay healthy. So, you know, he went off to Cleveland, played six games, got hurt, and now he's back in, in Buffalo again. And if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a, a competitor for that spot as well because he excels in, in zone coverage also. Um, I think that... Norman is probably going to be leading the leading the room when it comes to Q, or CB2. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised to see somebody else get the job if they outperform him. I don't think they're wedded to it. Yeah. All right. I'll ask this question now since, you know, we're halfway through. We're, we're halfway through this. You know, we're getting warm with each other. <laughs> I'll never forget this. You know, it was last year. I think it was toward, either towards the end of the season or it was right at the, the week one of the, play, of the playoffs for the Bills. And who comes out of nowhere on social media wearing their Bills jersey but O.J. Simpson? (laughs) Is he he loved by Buffalo fans or is he more hated? He, uh, I can say, is probably neither. Um, He's more like Sloth from the Goonies where everybody's trying to lock him up in their basement and forget that he's there. They try not to speak his name. (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, people look, look at his contributions as a Buffalo Bill and, you know, he's one of the greatest running backs in history and to watch the, the highlights of, uh, of him, it, it's great, but people most of the time won't acknowledge him. Now, my buddy, Big Chris, who I did mention earlier, has an OJ jersey, but nobody says anything to him because you can imagine a guy whose name is Big is large enough that people don't really mess with them. <laughs> well, sometimes they get it mixed up. They call somebody tiny and they wind up being big. So, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is a two-part question. I'm just going into training camp. With their training camp's right around the corner. Who are some under-the-radar players for the Bills that could have, a, could have a surprising season? And who are maybe a couple of veterans that are on the, ro- are on the bubble for a roster spot? Um, when it comes to people on the rise on the team, I think Dawson Knox is going to be one of those, the tight end that I mentioned before. Now he had a case of the drops this past season and every single time he did, it was, you you could see exactly what happened. He was looking upfield before he had the ball in his hands. And I think that is more a case of the game moving a little quick for him being a rookie. He really wasn't used as a receiver at Iowa in, uh, in college. And instead, he was – wait, I said he was Iowa. That's not where he went. Uh, I'm a liar. Um, but he, he's an incredibly athletic guy. Who's a, he's a good blocker. He is very tenacious. He's blocking people downfield, you know, hitting them right up to the whistle, drawing personal fouls, and, and he can run. So I think you're going to see some, some good performance from him. Uh, I think the left tackle, Deion Dawkins, had a, had a good bounce back here last year. He's going into a contract year. And you know that players always, you know, they pull the best out of themselves in the contract year. Of course. Um, a, a player that has generally been under the radar for uh, a lot of people, but not necessarily Bills fans, is the linebacker, Matt Milano. The guy moves really well in space. He's not a so much a stack linebacker where he's defending the run, but he's very fluid moving in space and is outstanding dropping into coverage and getting sideline to sideline. Um, he's really a, a modern day style 
linebacker. So he's, he's a guy to always keep your eye on. Um, as for veterans that could be on the roster bubble, um, they're pretty, I think the roster is pretty much set, but one guy who needs to look out is Trent Murphy. He's going into the final year of his deal, which is three years long. Uh, they signed him coming out of Washington and expected some big sack numbers from him. And he was coming off injury. And he's just never gotten there. And even more so, he's lost on running downs. Now, at the end of last season, he put up some, some sack numbers right at the very end and in the playoff game against the Texans. That may not be enough to keep him on the roster. Um, and if you're looking for somebody who might be – might be a complete surprise if Jerry Hughes shows that he dropped way off in the offseason. He could be a candidate, even though they just signed him to an extension and there would be an awful lot of dead money. And that for that reason alone, you're 99% sure not to see that happen. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if, if he comes in in shape and is playing well, then, you know, there, there's going to be no issues there. But Trent Murphy... I think as Epinesa makes him expendable. You know, we mentioned earlier in the show, Tom Brady's gone. AFC East is wide open this year, finally, for the first time in 20 years. Now, I've been reading a lot of articles, and, you, you know, like, I don't want to be too humble when I read these articles, but they're saying, you know, Sam Darnold is the best quarterback in the East this year. Personally, I don't see it. I'm, I, look, as much as I love Sam, I, I don't see him be as the best quarterback in the East. So who, who do you think it is? I had a feeling you guys were going to ask this question because obviously Sam Darnold and Josh Allen are going to be uh, you know, tied together throughout their careers, right? Both in the top 10 of the same draft. Uh, both teams traded up to get them. So I would say, in my opinion, it's too soon to tell. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about how Josh Allen was a project coming out of school. He, they're still working on that project. And Darnold, I don't think we know what he can do yet. With the Jets, I mean, the offensive line was in shambles this past year. The, I mean, those guys were matadors. I, it, it's almost like they were trying to get out of the way of the defensive linemen. What would you say? It was a turnstile. Yeah. Pretty, I mean, Sam, you know, Sam was running for his life on every play. It, no quarterback can be successful there. And they dropped a lot of passes. Yeah. So what can Sam Darnold do? Well, there's plays he's incredibly accurate. Uh, well, that was the thing I used to say about Sam is that Sam, you know, in the beginning of the year, obviously, with, you know, of course he gets mono, which is such a right. thing, right? Because, I mean, listen, I would have rather just maybe him get his bell rung off of missed block or something. Just, it just seems more, like, realistic and more, like, not embarrassing to tell when you're at the bar with your friends or something like that. Yeah. But you have to, you have to tell the mono story. And, um, but in the second half of the year, and I was watching a lot of the footage, like, a lot of games from last year, this past season, especially the second half, he makes throws that you can't teach that. Like, some of his throws on the run were just outstanding. I mean, mm -hmm. some of them were just right on the money. And you saw that he got comfortable in Gase's offense. Whereas, you know, the, the overall opinion of Gase is, of course, not very good in New York. But what I liked about Josh Allen was Josh Allen is good at using his legs. You know, he, I mean, I know the accuracy is a little bit of an issue, but he, you know, he can run the football because he's such a big guy. He's fast. He's like fairly fast for his, you know, height. Very fast for, yeah, for so, size. I mean, and he brings that to the table. He's tough to come, he's tough to get down just because of his overall size. Yeah. Uh, and they do a lot of designed runs. They have a designed uh, sweep around the right side that they use with Josh Allen all the time. Personally, I wish they wouldn't do that. I don't want my quarterback getting hit <laughs> on running plays. Um, but that was the thing about Sam Darnold that you bring up that really impressed me is he would make throws that looked impossible and they were perfect, but it wasn't consistent. You, you know that uh, he would some throw of his throws were just brutal. Like some yeah. of his picks were really bad. Like some of those interceptions, it was like, where is he going? Exactly. What does he see? Like, what does he see that we don't see? No. Like, it's like I, I don't get it. But right. then there were those throws like that he just makes that are right on point. And I, I'm just, I have to think he's our guy. I don't think we can – we don't need to go back anymore. I just think we have to develop I, I think you're right. This isn't Browning Nagel. This yeah. is a guy who really does have potential. There is a laundry list of quarterbacks, I could easily say. That. You're right. <laughs> he's not Greg McElroy. He's not uh, 
Cleo Lemon? He's not. Yeah, he's. I mean, I remember for a while, and I totally forgot about this one. They had Quincy Carter from Dallas. Oh yeah, that was years ago. But it was just like I remember Quincy Carter was on the was on the Jets as a backup quarterback. I mean, I could go on and on about how horrible the quarterbacks have been over the years. Only recently has it gotten a little bit better since right ten and for two years of Sanchez. So I, I'm interested to see because. I saw a film study on uh, on Darnold recently, and one of the things that they pointed out is he has a tendency to not set his feet when he's throwing, and that leads to errant passes. So when his when his mechanics improve and he's actually throwing off the correct foot or actually with his feet on the ground, I, you're gonna, I think you're going to see that accuracy really improve. And the other thing that was pointed out in the same film study, and I forget where I saw it, but Adam Gase's offense – seldom had outlet receivers until the last quarter of the season. So when you have a bad offensive line and you don't have, you know, uh, hot reads and, and outlet receivers, where is Darnold going to go when the, when the offensive line is barely slowing people down? I mean, he's just going to be running from the snap. And that was the key like move that they made. Obviously was just rebuilding the offensive line. Now we, of course, with the virtual off season, it's really going to hurt them because they can't, it's going to take them a while to gel together. Mm-hmm. Because we only have one returning starter, it looks like, from the line, and that's Alex Lewis. But, um, you know, one thing I love about Joe Douglas, and Clem and I talk about this all the time on, our, on the show, is he has a plan and he sticks to it. His plan was to build the line, and that's exactly what he did. And, yep. You know, and I have to give credit for that. And, you know, like, that's what we needed. We have to protect our franchise quarterback. Because and, you know, it's reminiscent of what the Bills did before last offseason, which is they brought in four new starters. Mm-hmm. So, Clem, you good? Uh, I got two questions left, okay? This is kind of like a two-parter question, okay? So, you've been to Buffalo games, obviously, at, in Buffalo. Yep. How many tables have you jumped through? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, you know, if, if I may uh, be so bold as to just be honest here and tell you that I'm the biggest pussy I've ever met in my life. <laughs> so, the thought of the potential, like the slightest potential of pain – means I, I get nowhere near it. Um, so I only jumped through like 87, 88 of them, as opposed to a regular Bills fan, which is up well into the hundreds by this point. <laughs> and the, the, two, the second part of that question is, you know, me and my friend, we always joke around. We're like, you know what? Every time we see like a Buffalo, Buffalo uh, Bills Mafia video on, on Instagram or something, we always joke around like, you know what? Let's just open a table store in Buffalo. We'd be rich. We'd be rich. <laughs> I mean, like, it's bad idea, good idea. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. You paint the logo on there and maybe give it, like, the Zubaz stripe design. I think you've got something. You really should have had me uh, sign a non-disclosure before you brought that up because, I mean, <laughs> I might steal that. <laughs> Jamie's going into a new line of business tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to see it's Jamie D'Amico tables. God knows. Jamie, be careful because I have to listen to this on the next show if you actually do move forward with this table business. <laughs> Clem is going to be like, it's going to be a show where I just have to like, Clem just vent about it. That, you know, I, you know what? Right off the track. Unfortunately, I, I don't live in Buffalo or I'm from Rochester, so not too far from Buffalo. So I, where I live, there isn't much of a market for it. And I, I don't know. I think you need to be in the lot in order to sell that, you know, set up next to some of the legends like Pinto Ron and... Uh, <laughs> All right, so you said you're from Rochester? Yeah. Are you familiar with the garbage plate from Nick Tahoe's? Oh, my God, am I familiar <laughs> with the garbage plate. I can't eat it anymore. Now that I'm middle-aged, like, my it's system little, tells little, me it's... You know, I, had, I, I went to Rochester a few years ago to visit some family, and we made sure to stop at, a, at, a, at Nick Tahoe's, and, I was, and yeah, it's, it's a lot. It is the greatest drunk food yep. that, that's... I, I wasn't drunk, but because I, I, was, I was with my wife at the time. <laughs> but um, it was, it's like insane. Clem, do you know what a garbage plate is? I do. My older brother went to school in Oswego. So like, I got to experience a garbage plate once. Just oh, once. I only had it once. It was, it was pretty good. It's I don't worth every penny, but man, it just kills the colon. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> and if you drink that, if you're a good Rochesterian, you drink that, well, you get drunk on Jenny Light first. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you have a garbage plate. And then in Rochester, it gives you what they refer to as the screamers. Yeah. Did you ever drink uh, Jenny Cream Ale? Absolutely. 
In fact, here in Washington, D.C. Every man has their limits. Like, that's about as far as I go with Jenny. Well, it's interesting because here in Washington, D.C., it's now like one of the hipster beers of choice. Yeah. Which is very interesting. (laughs) And uh, I'm sure you can tell by the beard, I I don't know anything about hipsters. No, of course not. (laughs) Jamie, um, I was going through your Twitter profile, and it says that you are a live music fan. Yeah. You're you're like me. So this is a two-part question. Okay. Due to the pandemic, how much do you miss live music? And what's your band of choice for live shows? Okay, so I'm missing it less than I expected because I've kind of pulled away from going to shows because I was just spending way too much money on it. Um, But I would say right now my live show of choice is probably Snarky Puppy. Couldn't tell you who that. I wouldn't know who that was. Oh, okay. Well, they walked right past me. I wouldn't be like. (laughs) They are a. uh, They're out of Austin, Texas, and they're kind of a jazz outfit. They do. uh, They do funky jazz. There's. They kind of have a rotating lineup depending on what city they're in. But sometimes they have as many as a dozen people. Uh, Look them up. They do all instrumentals. They actually won a Grammy as the backup band for a singer, Mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's pretty hip stuff. Um, I, I do skew toward that, the jazz side a little bit. Uh, there's a band called Soul Live that I like an awful lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess if we're talking more pure rock bands, uh, one that I've seen quite a few times is, uh, the Allman Brothers. They're not touring anymore, but big fan of theirs. And also, uh, White Denim, also out of Austin, Texas. All right. Clint? That's it for me. I mean, like, I mean, we're talking about live music. I was so disappointed that I was supposed to see Motley Crue this summer. Ooh, disappointed, oh. disappointed. Got you got postponed until next year. I got to wait one more year. But it was over Clim, it was all over Quim, Clim's Instagram. It was oh, everywhere. And I don't know. You, I was so excited was like to see it was, it was Motley Crue, Joan Jett, and Poison all in one concert. So Whoa. excited to see them all. It was. I was like, Dad, this is the only thing I want for Christmas. You can get me whatever. <laughs> don't just don't get me anything else. Just these tickets. This is all I want. He, get, me, and him were supposed to go this summer, but you know, due to the pandemic, got it got canceled. So they postponed it till next year. I gotta wait one more year. Well, I hear that they have a defibrillator right there on stage because they're expecting uh, Vince Neil to drop dead at oh any second. God. When they said I mean, they I, were going, I, I, I like on, to think on, they're placing bets as to who's going to drop dead. They're like. <laughs> Well, the thing, like the thing was, like I was doing so much like research and like on like if they're gonna ever tour again and everything. I would see pictures of Vince Neil. I'm like, he he looks he looks terrible. I was yeah. like, he looks terrible. Mick Mars is half dead. Right. I, I don't know how Nikki Six and Tommy Lee are still alive. So no, uh, and Tommy Lee still looks like pretty athletic and stuff. Yeah, yeah. he actually doesn't look like he's in bad shape. So were they using different drugs? Like, <laughs> do, do they just affect them differently? Is, is he related to Keith Richards? Like... <laughs> I mean, for me this year, like, it, it was kind of depressing because the one band I was looking forward to seeing this year and I had tickets for it back in March was Pearl Jam. Ah. I never miss a Pearl Jam show when they come to Madison Square Garden. Like, I have to see Pearl Jam every time because every time it's a, just a killer show. So where do you rank um, State of Love and Trust in your favorite Pearl Jam tunes? You know what, man? It's not my favorite. It's not one of my favorites. I have so many favorite Pearl Jam songs. And I'm not talking about, like, the, like, Alive and Even Flow. Like, there are so right. many better songs than that. Probably my favorite, favorite Pearl Jam song is Rats. Okay. On the Versus album. It's like, you know, they played it one time when I was there and I went like crazy. I was, I was so happy they played it. Um, Rearview Mirror, I really like. That's like one of my, that's another really solid song of theirs. Mm-hmm. And um, Oceans is a really good song. I mean, they have like, they yeah. have so many good songs. And both nights, when they play multiple nights, they always play a different set. So it's actually- Which is great. I love when they do stuff like that. Yeah, you, it, it's way better. When, when a band has as deep a library as Pearl Jam has, they shouldn't do the same show every night. They, yeah. they should really change it up. Now, yeah. if, if Eddie Vedder, uh, it is a little morbid, um, but had Kurt Cobain lived and it was Eddie Vedder who had passed away after the album 10 came out, would Pearl Jam be considered the band that changed music? I'm going to say no. No? I think it would have been Nirvana. You still think it would have been them? I think it would have been Nirvana because, I mean... Nirvana really, I think, if I remember right, it was such a long time ago. I mean, 
they really hit the scene first before Pearl Jam did, if I remember. Because a little bit, yeah. It smells like Team Spirit came out, and then Pearl Jam, and then that's when the Seattle grunge scene came into play with like Alice in Chains, and even to a lesser extent, Smashing Pumpkins. Right. But um, Nirvana just when that was a very depressing day when he died, when he killed, like it was so, you just knew it was the end of that band. There was nobody that was ever going to replace Kurt Cobain in that band. No. You know, and it's like for a band, I'll give you another band, for example, a band like Lincoln Park, you know, Chester Bennington commits suicide and it's almost like they're done because I just don't think you can find somebody to replace what Chester brought to that band. It took mm-hmm. Allison Chains a long time to find that replacement for Lane Staley. I mean, you're never going to be able to replace a Lane Staley. No, never. you can. You know, you can do the best you can. And the guy that they have, William Duvall, is actually very good. He's very good. But, you know, to his credit, he's not trying to be Lane Staley. No, he's he's being himself. And, and yeah. it's good. And the thing is, like, Lane is, like, in a class of his own, just like Kurt Cobain was. Eddie Vedder pretty much is Pearl Jam. So yeah. I think if, God forbid, anything happened to Eddie... And like the roles were reversed with him and Kurt. I don't think Pearl Jam, they would probably be under a different moniker, I would think. But, yeah. you know, maybe like a Temple of the Dog type thing where Chris Cornell maybe would take over a little bit. Except he know. is no longer with us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we asked this of all of our guests on this show and um, you being our, our first time guest. What is Jamie D'Amico currently binge watching? Ah, Community. Really? How is that? Yeah. How is that? You know what? It is shockingly funny. It, I, I'm surprised by how good it is, by how quick the dialogue goes back and forth. And some of the humor is very intelligent. Now, it's by the same guy who produces Brick and Morty. Right. And I didn't realize that. So it's, it's got a little bit of that irreverence in it. And, but there's one thing that really stands out to me that is not with the times there's a lot of homophobic jokes in it and it's actually jarring yeah. like you kind of have to watch around that. On it yet. what's that <laughs> let's hope nobody picks up on it yet <laughs> I, a list of apologies from joel McHale to ken jong to uh, to everybody yeah and i mean it's all of them um pulling off those jokes especially the character that chevy chase plays but you know like that character is sexist and racist, so they work it into everything he does. Like, for example, they and in community, for those who haven't seen it, they have this study group, and two of them are African American, and they said, "Well, you know, he's so racist, he probably thinks that those two are related." And he's like, "They're not." It's <laughs> like, "Oh my god, he's such an idiot." Well, Jamie, man, this was awesome. Uh, before we let you go, though, I was hoping maybe you could just tell us about your podcast, the Believe Podcast. Um, just like when it, where people can find it, where, you know, what you guys are normally discussing right now with, you know, training camp right around the corner. Sure. Uh, be happy to, um, I I'm with, uh, it's a channel. Well, let me start at the beginning. I'm with SB nation and it, they break it down by team and I'm on the Buffalo bills channel, which is called Buffalo rumblings mm-hmm. and Buffalo rumblings has a slew of podcasts, all with different names. Mine is called believe. And if you go to Buffalo rumblings, anywhere you download podcasts, mine is there. Um, I'm actually the co-host, the host, his name is John Boccasino. He's a former sports writer in Western New York, uh, an all around good guy, really knowledgeable, good broadcaster. And um, the show would be nothing without him. I'm telling you, I've, I've got opinions, but he's the one who's polished. So um, it, it's been, and I've got to say, I'm really flattered that you had me on the show. I, I've been listening to you guys since I uh, found out about you. And I know that maybe I bring a different aesthetic than your guest uh, recently, but hopefully for the people who, you know, she wasn't their taste, maybe I am. <laughs> Well, listen, any chance we can get to get guests on our show, we're always thrilled and we really appreciate you taking the time to come hang out with us and talk, uh, just talk about the Bills, um, you know, just getting it from a Buffalo Bills perspective, of course. Um, you know, we really appreciate it. And uh, we thank you for taking the time to come hang out with us. You are more than welcome to be on our show whenever you want. Um, we'd love to have you back. I would love to be back and I'd love to have you on, uh, on my show. It's, uh, it's been a great time. Thank you right. so much. Jamie, I'd be honored. Whenever you want, you let me know. I'll definitely be there. I'll do it. Yeah. Hey, Jamie, take care of yourself. Thank you so much again for being on our show. We really do appreciate that you taking the time.
All right. That was Jamie D'Amico, co-host of the Bill Leave podcast. You can check it out on buffalorumblings.com. And, um, yeah, so the Buffalo Bills, this is it, man. This could be their season this year. And uh, now with Tom Brady out of the AFC East. And um, let's take it from there, I guess. I mean, let's hope that this becomes a dogfight for the AFC East this year because it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun to see it. Jamie, thank you again very much. We really do appreciate it, all right? Thanks. Goodbye. All right. Take care of yourself, okay? Clem, you got any final thoughts before we get out of here? Look, I got a quiz for you, but I was I got to say something. His voice is incredible. Like, he could do voiceovers in movies. Like, I, I, I just couldn't get – every time he spoke – one thing about Jamie, and I, and I hope he watches this, I, I, you know what I want to do? I want to send him an audio of this mm-hmm. when, we're, when, you know, when you're ready and you, you get it all. Just him, just the interview with him. Don't do the beginning and after stuff. All right. We do. But um, he has that voiceover for, like, movie previews. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I was – when he first opened his mouth and started speaking, I'm like, oh, wow. This is incredible. I can listen to this guy talk all day. Like, no, he's fantastic. Like, like, he has a voiceover. He has a totally great voiceover voice for, like, movies. And, like, like I'm thinking of him, like, doing a preview for, like, Taken 4 or something. <laughs> like, like, and, 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 like, he can nail it. Like, like I mean, I'm listening to him, and I'm like, oh, he's up there with Morgan Freeman. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's really good. Like, every time he was saying something, I'm like – He's got to do like some kind of movie. Oh like, yeah, totally. He's got to do some cartoons or whatever. I don't know what it is. I need to. I'm gonna. I, I like. I'm gonna go listen to the Believe podcast now because I just want to listen to more of him. <laughs> well, like we always say with the guests on our show, whether it's Jamie, whether it's Christine, whether it's Jake, we always get more fired up for football when we talk to our guests because they they provide such awesome insight and Jamie. Jamie was fantastic today. And oh, like, he was fantastic. Look. The thing is, like, now I'm like, I'm so psyched to see the Bills play preseason games now. So am I. They like, can have a preseason. So am I. Like, I obviously, like, like you always ask me, you know, am I ready to run through a wall for this guest? Like, of course you are. <laughs> I'm, look, I, I, I'm back in the Bills 100, 100% this year. I, obviously, I can't say that they're going to be better than the Jets. Like, but like my I, bre- I, I, I'll leave I have nothing, Again, nothing against the Bills here. I, I like the Bills. Nothing against them. I'm 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 back in the Bills 100%. They take the wild card. We'll take we'll take the East. <laughs> my brother my brother-in-law Mark is a huge Buffalo fan. He grew up in Buffalo and he everything Buffalo. Say he loves the Sabers. He loves the Bills. And I love talking Buffalo Bills football with him. And he always provides like you know good insight. Like I would love to go to a game with him in Buffalo. I've never been to that stadium. I would love to go to that stadium. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to go to you know? Bill Stadium. But, um, you know, again, everyone, check out Jamie's podcast, Bill Leave. It's on the buffalorumblings.com website. And, um, listen, man, he was awesome. And he can – I'm, I'm so glad we got to book him on the show mm-hmm. because he was definitely incredibly insightful with everything. And whenever you can talk to a guy about the Nick Tahoe's garbage plate, you know you've hit a home run. All right. I got a quiz for you. Are you ready for this one now? It is time, as always, for Clem's Quiz of the Day, sponsored by the A1 Sports Network, because we have no sponsors. But, uh, Clem, fire away. All right. Since we know we had Jamie on, Bill's fan, I thought I'd throw some Bill's trivia at us. Oh, jeez. I I didn't go crazy out of the way for this one. Alex Van Pelt. (laughs) So, when the Bills went to the four back-to-back Super Bowls, who were the teams they they played? Uh, Dallas, mm-hmm. Washington. Yep. The Giants. Yep. And that was it. Oh, they played the Giants twice, right? They played the Cowboys twice. They played the Cowboys twice. Okay. Yeah, and I'm looking. I I knew I knew the Giants, and I knew the Cowboys were one of them. So I was like, I got to look up these other two. I didn't know who they were. And I'm I'm reading it. It's the Redskins. I'm like, yo, did they just play the entire NFC East these four years? <laughs> like. I was like, wow. And then the Cowboys again. I was like, oh wow. Okay, I yeah, didn't know that. I want you to take note of this. And I really do, okay? When you think your life sucks as a Jets fan and you're not going to the playoffs and you have the Jet fans bitching and moaning on every avenue they can, think back to a Buffalo Bills team that lost four consecutive Super Bowls. Oh, I could not. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. Like, I'm not trying to, like, rain on the Buffalo Bills fans parade. I'm just trying to make a point. No. I mean, like, I watched the – the 30 for 30 on the Buffalo Bills. And it was a good there. And that was a good team. Those, those Bills teams were good. They had, they oh, had Jim Kelly. Watch they, the game against the Houston Oilers, the AFC playoff game. I think it was 93 or 94. Jim Kelly got hurt and he didn't play. 
So Frank Reich was the quarterback. And Houston jumps out to literally a 35-3 to lead. And that's how good Houston's offense was back in the day. Mm-hmm. That's why I say the Gase offense is very similar to Houston's offense. They love to throw the ball. And Warren Moon is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Watch how Buffalo comes back and literally just dismantles the Houston Oilers. It is like – and that plays – and it was in Buffalo too. And you want to see how old the broadcast is on the NFL? Back then, they didn't have the fantasy scores at the bottom, okay, where the scoreboard's going every two seconds. They used to have it called the 10-minute ticker. Every 10 minutes, they popped the score up. If you were just coming in from somewhere and you missed a quarter of the game and you turn on the game, you wouldn't there's know no score on the TV screen. So you're frustrated because you don't know what the hell the score is, <laughs> right? That's how good football was way back when. And, I mean, it still is today, of course, but that just brings back memories, like, of just everything. But, um, okay, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? That's it for me. All right, just for me, real quickly, the NFL, uh, the Hall of Fame game has been officially canceled between Dallas and Pittsburgh. Um, you know, with everything going on right now with COVID, a lot of athletes are testing positive and uh, not a good thing pretty much, of course. But at the same time, and I'm going to credit Jake Asman for this, because Jake Asman had a, had a killer opening on his show. He pretty much said that the testing they're doing is working because you're finding more cases, which you knew you were going to do. Yeah. So that's what you want in a weird way. It, I wouldn't be surprised because Malcolm Jenkins has kind of come out now and has kind of raised some concerns about the season starting or even having a season this year. And rightfully so. I, I don't blame him for having some concerns. I really don't. But, um, you know, every day you're seeing new cases. You know, Jokovic tested positive. PGA guys are testing positive. Seven more players on the Phillies tested positive. I mean, this is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. It's okay to be nervous about it, but it's not a bad thing. So, right now, I wouldn't be surprised if the preseason is scrapped. I would not be surprised in the least. I wouldn't be surprised if the season is pushed back a little bit. So, but we'll see how it goes. But right now, I mean, just the – the Hall of Fame game, which nobody really big plays in anyway, is was canceled. So the looks like we're going to be waiting an additional week for football. And that's going to do it for us for the Moffat on the Mic show for this evening. Uh, again, a very special thank you to Jamie D'Amico. You can check out his, the co- he is the co-host of the Bill Lee podcast on the buffalorumblings.com site. Definitely check out the show. Jamie, we really appreciate you being on the show talking some Bills football with us. Um, you can follow him at Twitter. Um, what's his handle, Clem? Is it at? The Jamie D'Amico. I, yeah, at the Twitter. Jamie D'Amico, yeah. So follow him on Twitter. And uh, for Bill's news, and of course, check out the Believe podcast, courtesy of the buffalorumblings.com SB Nation site. So again, we really appreciate him taking the time coming on the show to talk to us about the Bills coming you know, for 2020. Clem, thank you for holding it down like you normally do. As always, you can follow the show on Instagram at Moff on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and my Facebook page as well. You can follow the A1 Sports Network as well on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On behalf of the People's Producer, Chris Clem, I am Craig Moffat. Everybody, wherever you are, stay safe, wear your damn mask, and uh, have a great rest of the evening wherever you are. And uh, we'll be back again with a new episode very soon. Have a great one, everybody.